Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers. Unexpected hurdle? Pritt and Spano. Unseen circumstance? Pritt and Spano. Personal injury, criminal law, flash wills, family law. You need a firm that will be with you through it all. Pritt and Spano. Their passionate team will employ their resources and unique perspectives to deliver the most effective representation. When you find yourself in need, turn to those who will fight for you. Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers. Find them at yourwvlawfirm.com. It's the Golden Blue Nation podcast. It is March, and it is Big 12 Tournament Week. Nick Farrell here alongside Ryan Decker. We're brought to you, as always, by Print and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, your WVLawFirm.com. Deck, you know, normally there is a lot of excitement mm-hmm. surrounding WVU hoops the week of the Big 12 Tournament. I don't think it's a stretch to say that that maybe is not the case. A little this dollar. Time around. Yeah. Though, you know, there there's just something, and, you know, when they did it in 2019, right, that is the the most basic comparison that mm-hmm. you can draw, right? West Virginia is the lowest seed in the Big 12 tournament, which this year is a nine-team tournament. It starts Wednesday night in Kansas City. Nine-seed West Virginia is going to take on eight-seed Kansas State in the lone play-in game. Oklahoma State postseason ineligible. Uh, then there are seven other teams that are so essentially that first round game is a play in game for one team to join the seven other squads that have a first round bind to the quarterfinals. When I was in Kansas City in 2019, the year of Jordan McCabe and Emmett Matthews and Derek Culver's freshman years, and oh yeah, the Sagaba Kanate <laughs> is questionable for the Texas Tech game and then the Kansas game. There did just feel like there was some sense of inevitability that West Virginia was going to make a run because it had had such a poor year that year, but it was understandable, had a young squad, it was a rebuild. Coach Hugs kicked multiple players off that team. Right. I don't know, though. Do you feel that same way about this team right now entering the tournament? I don't, but I think you also know in the back of your mind that just because of what you just said, they did it in 2019. West Virginia historically has done pretty well at the Big 12 tournament. Why not this team? Why why can't this team go on a run? Um, and maybe to a degree, does the bracket set up well for, for a run to happen, possibly? Maybe. Okay, so let, let, let's take a look at that. First of all, let me just backtrack and say it may be revisionist history for me to say that there was that it just felt like they were going to make a run back in 2019 because maybe I was falling for the Twitter trend, why the long face? We're not dead yet. Remember That's that? I mean, how, how yeah. can anybody forget that? It was a ton of fun to get swept up in that, that run that they made in 19. They beat Oklahoma in the first round, and it required a replay review to get there at the very end. They beat Texas Tech, the eventual national finalist. Emmett Matthews had something like 28, 29 points in that game. He was out of his mind. Chris Beard, then Texas Tech's coach, lost his mind multiple times (laughs) during that game because of how well Emmett Matthews played. You said, why can't they make a run? Well, okay, I I hear that. I think the answer is defense and rebounding. That's probably probably the answer. And the fact that up until Saturday, this team couldn't figure out a way to hold a lead in the second half. Those are the cold, hard truths about this WVU team that anybody who's watched them has seen. But okay, okay, so I'll take take your wager here, Deck. Let's look at the bracket. So West Virginia 
plays K-State Wednesday night, 7 Eastern, ESPNU. That's the first-round matchup. Again, mm -hmm. the only first-round matchup. Quarterfinals look like this. Four-seed Texas against five-seed TCU at 12.30 Eastern on Thursday. Then Kansas plays the winner of K-State versus West Virginia. Jayhawks, of course, shared the Big 12 title with Baylor, but the one seed due to a tiebreaker. Right. So that's the morning or the early portion of the bracket for the quarterfinals. West Virginia would play Kansas if it beats K-State. Second half of the bracket is two-seed Baylor versus seven-seed Oklahoma. That's a 7 Eastern tip Thursday night. Then the late game after that one, three-seed Texas Tech against six-seed Iowa State. So you're telling me, Deck, that you think West Virginia could maybe make a run, which would require it to beat K-State and then Kansas, a team that you know, generally speaking, and this is not generally speaking, this is a fact, West Virginia has never beaten Kansas anywhere outside of the WVU Coliseum. Right. This this would be historic for West Virginia to pull a 2019 and make it to the semifinals. It, and that's very true. And, you know, historically, West Virginia in Kansas City has not fared the best. They played a lot of really entertaining games against Kansas, but have never been able to come out on the right side of the scoreboard against the Jayhawks. But you look at that Kansas State game. You've already beaten Kansas State once this season. Okay. You probably should have beaten, beaten them a second time. So we'll say you get past the first round. Kansas is a team that West Virginia always plays, at, at least when you're not in Allen Fieldhouse and there's extenuating circumstances sometimes, <laughs> tongue-in-cheek. Um, always plays Kansas very tough. They're, they're normally very entertaining ball games. If you get past that on a two-game, then a three-game winning streak post-Kansas, you either play a Texas team who, game in Austin... I, I think yeah, you can throw that it's out. An, an anomaly it, there it because really they is. didn't have Taz and Gabe and yep. Kobe Johnson. Agreed. But the game in Morgantown should have won that game. That's part right. of that losing streak that we mentioned earlier. You couldn't hold on to a lead. And then after you get to get past that, it's it, it's a momentum game. Or it's TCU, a team that you just beat. That, right? And that's I mean, very true. That's right. the other side of that. It's okay. a TCU team that you, you did actually beat here in Morgantown. So, I mean, again, it, it's, a, it's an uphill climb if there ever was one. But, you know, they're mountaineers, gosh darn it. Uh, uh, okay. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. So, I... As I was watching things unfold Saturday, remember that Kansas played Texas at home on senior day and hasn't lost at home on senior day in like 16 millennia or something like that. I believe it's since 1983. Uh, that game went to overtime. It got a little bit weird at the end mm -hmm. of the second half. And you're like, okay, maybe Kansas is going to blow this thing. Baylor's going to win. And quite honestly... Baylor is a team that I think West Virginia just matches up better against. Uh, so, okay, we've looked at the bracket. Let, let's, let's go back to taking it one game at a time, though, mm -hmm. Deck. Okay, so West Virginia, K-State, both of these teams have had their fair share of struggles. And if you're talking about what-ifs, this is probably a better matchup for West Virginia than Oklahoma. Not probably, definitely yeah, a better matchup I, I than Oklahoma. So. Yeah. K-State had an opportunity to get a first-round bye, failed to do so. Wildcats have lost four games in a row entering the Big 12 tournament. Oklahoma is now the seventh seed. West Virginia, on the other hand, has been it, it has just had its fair share of struggles this season. Two seven-game losing streaks. It's only two wins in the last, what, two months since mid-January. It's only two Big 12 wins came against Iowa State at home and TCU at home, which was Saturday's victory on Senior Day, a six-point win where West Virginia found itself tied up late in the second half, about four minutes to go, and finally did find a way to close out a game. It had been a theme. West Virginia failed to close out against Texas, failed to close out at Iowa State, and did so in, in quite stunning fashion, in fact, the way that both of those games fell apart. 
What have you seen from West Virginia recently, Deck, though, that gives you an indication that maybe this team is going to turn a corner right now? It's running out of time. It has no choice. If it's going to turn a corner, yeah. got to do it now. And, and let's be real. Even though things have been really difficult this year, even though this team has lost games in somewhat appalling fashion, mm-hmm. they've been close. I mean, they, they really have been close. And, yeah. and, and if a couple of things go their way, if a couple shots fall in, if they get a couple calls... You know, maybe they are looking at being more like the seven seed in Oklahoma spot yeah, where they're not true. playing in the first round game. Right. But that's not the case. So what is it about West Virginia right now that makes you think, hey, they got a shot here? Uh, I think a couple things. One is the fact that Taz Sherman just continues to play so well. He's played well down the stretch despite battling a concussion, uh, battling COVID or- earlier in the year. And anything else that's kind of been thrown in his way, Taz Sherman has been a constant this season. You're seeing, I think, better play. Out of Polly Polycap, Gabe Savoy, I think has played better here as of late. You're getting more scoring out of him as of late. Uh, Demon Kerrigan as well. I, I think he's given you some solid minutes here recently. And, and then the other thing is, what was one of the biggest, uh, two of the biggest talking points, especially early in conference play, lack of free throw shooting ability and lack of layup shooting or ability, ability, to, make ability yeah. to make layups. Yeah. We haven't spoken about either of those things. And in fact, free throw shooting has been one of the strengths of this WVU team over the last couple of weeks, despite the losing streak. You know, layups have been falling, actually. Lay, uh, free throws are going down, especially when you need them to. There have been a couple clutch free throw attempts that have had to been, been made, and they have been made here recently. You can get a couple players to join in on what Taz and Pauly and Gabe and some of those other guys have been doing. You get that you get that momentum brewing, I think, a little bit. An intriguing part of this matchup is Taz Sherman against Nigel Pack, Kansas's high scoring guard. Both of those guys rank in the top five in the Big Twelve in scoring. Taz eighteen point three points per mm-hmm. game. I don't have the stat in front of me, but I believe Pack is about seventeen point four, so somewhere in the seventeen yep. to eighteen 17. range. Seventeen point four. So that is that is the the most obvious storyline there is which guard will score more. Will one of those guards carry his team right. to victory? Okay, your points about free throw shooting and about layups. Against TCU, West Virginia was 12 for 18 on layups and <laughs> 0 for 10, 0 for 10 on other shots inside the paint. So, if you're looking at like if you're looking at paint scoring or paint scoring percentage, West Virginia was on par with what it normally produces, which is subpar. Right. But inside of 2 or 3 feet, 12 for 18. Which that could be a season high. <laughs> I don't I don't know that, that for could a fact, be a season but best. it sounds it sounds like it it sounds like it might be. Also went eight for twenty-one from the free throw line. Which is opposite of what they had been doing, especially throughout the Big 12 play. I mean, going into Big 12 play, West Virginia was not very good at the free throw line. And during Big 12 play, it had actually been one of the better teams, I believe, in the conference this season, at, at least at the charity stripe. West Virginia has been. But West Virginia has been, yes. And, and so it's it's the that TCU game, and I realize this is just one small sample size. The TCU game is really the opposite of what we thought this team was going to be. West Virginia was only four for twenty from three point range in that game, but scored it close and scored it from the free throw line. Uh, so okay, those are those are fair points. And I mean you can't undersell how important free throw shooting is going to be at the Big Twelve tournament in these close games. Right. Can West Virginia, if it has a lead, can it seal the deal? It's gonna have to do it from the free throw line. In in your eyes, Deck, who who's the guy for West Virginia that's most important in this matchup with K State? 
I, I mean, obviously Taz Sherman is at the top of that list. I think you got to see something from Sean McNeil in this mm. game. He, he's he's been pedestrian. For, for, he's he's been a little a uh, little non-existent. I, I think you could say maybe over the course of the last couple of weeks. But one thing again, going for West Virginia, that game against Kansas State here in Morgantown, Sean McNeil was huge, especially in the second half as West Virginia needed to come back and a lot of big. Uh, three-pointers against Kansas State in that meeting in Morgantown. Maybe it's a matchup that's favorable to him. Uh, but maybe it's something about the way Kansas State guarded him in that game. You can get if, Again, if you can get uh, Sean McNeil going, good sign for WVU. First meeting against K-State, 26 points, 36 minutes, including four for six from three-point range. Second meeting against K-State, which of course was in Manhattan, five points, 28 minutes, one for three from three-point range. Sean has ha- had a goose egg against TCU the first time. Mm-hmm. Last four games, he had 11 points against Iowa State, nine against Texas, five against Oklahoma, and 10 against TCU. So all of those games below his scoring average, which is about 12 points per game this season, that's a pretty good call. That's a pretty good call. I, th- that- I think you need Sean to, to come back and kind of be the Sean that we saw at times earlier this year. So for me, I've got, I've got two guys. And, and one is obvious, it's Gabe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that Gabe necessarily needs to score too much against Kansas State, although he has done that in the past. One of his best career games came a couple of years ago at Kansas State. I think he scored uh, 12 or 15 in a loss back in 2020 against K-State. And I'm looking here at his splits. He only had two points in the, in the first meeting against Kansas State. But then the K-State game on Valentine's Day, of course, was the one that he didn't play. Because he got tossed from the Oklahoma State game, right, and then he sat that next one out. So, for me, I think Gabe could maybe be an X factor in a way, yeah, on the offensive end, but need his defense because K State does have plenty of plenty of guys. Co-defensive player of the year. Co-defensive player of the year. And yeah. we should mention that Taz Sherman was a second second team All Big Twelve honoree. Sean McNeil, an honorable mention. Mm-hmm. Nigel Pack, one of several guys from Kansas State that made that earned All Big Twelve honors. He was first team All Big Twelve. Right. Uh, Marquise Noel also honored, and Mark Smith honored on the all-newcomer team. Uh, Anyhow, for Gabe, maybe he's going to score a little bit, but I think that just the defensive tenacity that he brings is so important in in an elimination game. And think about what he did against Kansas State in the first meeting in Morgantown. He took, I think, two or three charges alone in the second half. Momentum guy. Yeah, had another had a block, I believe, in the second half as well. What he did, as you said, defensively in that first meeting against Kansas State was just as big as what Sean did on the offensive end. And then you've got, for me, you mentioned him earlier. I think Polly Polycap, if you were to give a most improved award this year, for sure, I think he has to be the guy that gets it. He may not be putting up the most eye-popping numbers down low, and he certainly has come n- nowhere close to his number's sake, Derek Culver, right? They right. both wear number one. And I, I still, though, think that Polycap has come on really strong here the last few games. He's provided them a little bit more steadiness down low, a little bit more consistent scoring, and he is always that energy guy, right? Like, he's oh, yeah. always the guy that that is keeping his teammates' chins up, that's trying to get the crowd into it, right? If Gabe's not doing it, Paulie is for the most part. Again, just another one of those like intangible things that I think is so important 
so valuable in an elimination game. Last three games for Polycap, by the way, seven points against Texas at home. He had 10 against Oklahoma on the road, only had four against TCU, but played 20 minutes. He's had a handful of games this season where he's gone over 20 minutes, not a ton, just three. So he is playing a little bit more down the stretch. He had 27 minutes against Texas Tech back on February 5th. And then these two games in March, he's played 20 apiece. I think he's a guy, and, and also just quite honestly, Kansas State doesn't have a ton of size, right? right. And, and so it's going to be a guard-heavy matchup. It's going to be up to Taz and Sean to try to match their scoring. Mm-hmm. But if West Virginia can find a way to get inside, Polycap or Osaboyan, those two guys are the most likely scoring threats down low, uh, unless you count Malik Curry getting inside the paint, which is what he does best, too. And, and I was going to just reference Malik Curry here for just a second. You talk about you know some of these guys that have been additions to WVU this year. Malik maybe was the biggest addition, I think, to this roster. What he's done in certain games this year has been huge. You saw what he did against Kansas in the Allen, in Allen Fieldhouse earlier this year where, where he was basically the only player that was really able to do anything offensively. Malik's been really big at times. I think he mm. is kind of an X-factor as well. Maybe what Gabe can do X-factor-wise on defense, if Malik can match that offensively, Again, you, you build that recipe for how West Virginia can make maybe make a run. Curry, last four games, 19 points against Iowa State. 27 against Texas, 17 against Oklahoma, and then 10 against TCU on senior day. So four games in a row in double figures in scoring. He's been West Virginia's third scorer throughout the season. Jalen Bridges is fourth on the roster, 8.5 points per game. Curry sitting right below 10 points per game. He's the type of guy I think that you go to late. In, yeah. in a situation, in, in a game against TCU. You need to get to the foul, or sorry, not against TCU. Kansas, Kansas State had my purples confused. Uh, guy, if you need to get to the line, if you need a bucket late, mm-hmm. I mean, he had the one against Texas. He didn't get the roll. Maybe he's due for one late if it, if it comes down to that. So it's going to be an interesting matchup, Kansas State versus West Virginia. It is a potentially favorable matchup for the Mountaineers who split with K-State in the regular season. West Virginia 1-0 all-time against Kansas State at the Big 12 tournament. That loan meeting came in 2017. believe West Virginia won it by a point. Mountaineers yes. went to the Big 12 tournament championship game. So, Deck, you're saying there's a chance. There's a chance. It'll happen again. There's right? a chance. Mountaineers would need to defeat K-State, then beat Kansas just to make it back to the semifinals. Mountaineers have made four semifinal appearances at the Big 12 tournament, three championship game appearances. Most recent semifinal appearance came in 2019. Mountaineers did it as a 10 seed, the first 10 seed to reach the semifinals. West Virginia last season played in the quarterfinals, one and done with you know a large group of this core, including Taz Sherman and Sean McNeil. Right lost a one-possession game to Oklahoma State, a team that ultimately went to the title game and lost to Texas a year ago. So, Deck, let's wrap up here with a final thought. Quickly, if not West Virginia, if not the miracle run to extend the season and make the big dance, if not the we're-not-dead-yet crew, (laughs) who you got winning the Big 12 title? I've got Texas Tech, I think, winning the really? Big 12 title. Son of a gun, I knew I should have asked you before we started this who you were going to go with. <laughs> you, you know, going into this... Maybe that's the glamour pick. Maybe it is. Going into this, I, I was thinking Baylor. Because I okay. think Baylor has has some things to prove, whereas, you know, last year wasn't a fluke. Even though it's a lot of new players this year, they want to prove that last year is not a fluke. But Mark Adams getting snubbed as Big 12 Coach of the Year. Yeah, how about that? I think that that lights a fire, I think, in Texas Tech and that program. And obviously, if it goes chalk through the quarterfinals, it would be Baylor and Texas Tech in the semifinals, which would be a very interesting matchup. But I've got Texas Tech winning the the Big 12 title. How about that? Okay, Dex. So so I I was, 
I guess I guess I will just then say I agree with you. I think, there we I go. think Texas Tech, they're solid. Maybe maybe I'm just too high on the Mark Adams. I'm drinking the Mark Adams Kool Aid. Yeah. It just it just feels right somehow. I don't know. I would love to see, love to see, love to see Texas Tech Texas in the Big that Twelve title game. That would Could be good. Could you imagine that after what happened in Lubbock when those two teams played? <laughs> I mean, like the entire state of Texas would absorb Kansas City, yeah. Missouri, and those it would be it would be nuts. it'd be a great scene. Now it, that would be a great scene. That would require Texas, of course, to beat probably Kansas, but or or West Virginia or K State, right? In in order to get there, uh, but yeah, that would be that would be something. Uh, and it it should be noted uh, it should be noted as well that last season Baylor was eliminated by Oklahoma State on the way to the championship game. Uh, Oklahoma State beat West Virginia, then beat Baylor, then lost to Texas before Chris Beard took over there. That was Shaka Smart's swan song, so to speak, with the Longhorns. All right, so if you enjoyed this edition of the Golden Blue Nation podcast brought to you by Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, your WVLawfirm.com, then you'll love the Mountaineer Game Day Big 12 Tournament Special, which is coming up Tuesday night at 7.30 on your local Nexstar station in West Virginia and Maryland. So that's WBOY in Clarksburg, WTRF in Wheeling, WOWK in Charleston, WVNS in Beckley, and WDVM in Hagerstown, Maryland. All of those stations will carry the Mountaineer Game Day Big 12 Tournament Special at 7.30 Eastern Tuesday night, which will feature live reports from our very own Angelica Trinone, who is representing Golden Blue Nation at the Big 12 Tournament at T-Mobile Center in Kansas City. If you can't join us for our live TV special Tuesday night, you can stick with us on our website, goldenbluenation.com, and on the free Golden Blue Nation app for complete coverage of the tournament. As long as the Mountaineers are there, Angelica will be out there with them, (laughs) bringing you the very latest on how things are unfolding at T-Mobile Center. So uh, make sure as well, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe, leave us a review, tell us how much you love it, and make sure that you check out the Golden Blue Nation app. It's free. You can download it and keep our reporting close to you. Deck, anything else, man, before we wrap this thing up? We did confirm West Virginia led the Big 12 in free throw shooting percentage in conference play this we, season. We checked with the guys who yeah, who write all our scripts yep. behind the scenes, our ghostwriters, to make sure that we had that <laughs> note right. Good. I'm glad, I'm glad, you, glad you clarified that. Yes. I feel like we're on PTI right now. Where did we mess up? Reality? You oh, watch I, that show? Yeah, oh yeah, of course. Show, you're not, Who doesn't yeah, watch PTI? Man, every day growing up, watch that show. Yep. And before before I got into like PTI, it was it was what was on before around the around horn, the yeah, horn? around the horn PTI. And if I was sick from school that day, Price is Right all day before those. There two you shows go. Came it, it was a really good schedule of around the horn, PTI, Seinfeld, and then you get into whatever's happening okay. sports wise after that. Dex a Parks and Rec guy and an Office guy. I didn't know you. No, could no be not both. a Parks. Oh, you're not a Parks no, and no, Rec yeah, guy. Not a Parks. But you're a Friends guy and the Office yes. guy. That's what it was. Yes, that's it. Again, I thought you had to pledge your allegiance to just one of those shows. <laughs> that's what I was told when I started watching The Office. Different generations. Are you that much younger than me? Well, those shows are. Those oh, shows are right. different generations. Jeez, <laughs> oh, I thought she, might, she meant that I was from a different generation. No. Okay, boomer. All right, we need to get off. We need to, we need to stop doing this. We need to end this show now. This has been the Golden Blue Nation podcast brought to you by Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, your WVLawfirm.com. See you Tuesday night at 730 for the Mountaineer Game Day Big 12 Tournament Special and follow our coverage throughout the tournament at GoldenBlueNation.com. See you.